The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in my Father's love. I have said this, I have said these things to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. As you can imagine, I have been doing a lot of reflecting on my time here in Chicago, and especially my time here at Holy Trinity as I anticipate to transition to my new call in Michigan at the end of this month. I've been reflecting on each one of you who have accompanied me along the way, offering guidance, love, and support to Tara and I. I've also been reflecting on who I was when I first moved to Chicago and who I am today. It might be hard to believe, but whenever I think back to who I was and what I believed back in 2010 when I moved to Hyde Park to begin seminary, you'd probably be stunned to know how much of a political and theological 180 I've done. When I talk about it with my students in the campus ministry, they lovingly refer to that person that I talk about as Republican Ben. And the funny part is, is that they're not wrong. But it's proof that no other time or place in my life has been as transformative as Chicago has been for me. This place has taught me what it means to not just claim allyship with my black, indigenous, and siblings of color, but to be an accomplice in our collective liberation from racism. This place has taught me what bold and beautiful queer pride can look like when it is celebrated and not just tolerated. This place has revealed to me its darkest and deepest corners where many of our neighbors experiencing homelessness seek refuge. And it has invited me into authentic relationships with the human beings I have met there. But 
as I reflected on what this place has taught me with regards to today's scripture, I thought about what I learned about power here in Chicago. You see, Republican Ben thought that power was a zero-sum game where everyone had to look out for themselves and take whatever they could get. This understanding of power is what we will call power over. This type of power is finite, and it convinces us that we are in competition with each other to obtain as much power as we can so we can control ourselves and the others around us to our own self-interest. This was also the reason why, at that time, I thought power was a very bad thing. It was a dirty word to me. People in power used it poorly, and I thought power corrupts. We all know the phrase, power tends to corrupt. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. But then came my introduction to community organizing, where I was taught a very simple but important definition of power. They taught me that power is simply the ability to act. They also taught me that in a hyper-capitalistic but still somewhat democratic system like we have here in the United States, that power can come in two forms, organized people or organized money. Seeing as how I was still a very poor seminary student when I was being taught these principles, I was not in a position to organize the sum of money that I would need to make any change in the world. But what I could do was put my energy into building powerful relationships with the people around me. And that way, when we would need to act, we could do so together as one, rather than trying to change the world as divided, less powerful individuals. This understanding of power, it was revolutionary for me to consider. No longer did I have to think about power as some finite commodity that I was in competition with others to obtain. But I could instead understand that power is essentially infinite, as there are always more powerful relationships that I could build with others around me as we cooperate and build power together. Talk about a mind-blowing moment. I was enlightened beyond belief. And this simple but radical change from power over to power with, it transformed me. It transformed how I related to others. It transformed how I related to the government, to creation, to God. It even transformed how I read scripture. So let's turn to our scripture today. We heard first from Acts, where the Holy Spirit falls on all of the people, both the circumcised believers and the Gentiles. And they are filled with the power to speak in tongues. Peter testifies then to the fact that the power of the Holy Spirit cannot be contained or withheld. Thus, everyone who received the Holy Spirit that day was baptized. Then in our psalm, Psalm 98 begins with the words, Sing, to the, sing a new song to the Lord who has done marvelous things, whose right hand and holy arm have won the victory. Now that is some victorious, powerful scripture right there. But this psalm also reminds us that God's power and victory and righteousness is not only for some, but it says, the Lord will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. But then it's in our second reading from 1 John where it starts to get a little bit tricky. Our power over spidey sense might start tingling when we hear lines like this. For whatever is born of God conquers the world. 
And this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. Who is it that conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Conquerors, it says we are. We who believe that Jesus is the Son of God conquer the world. Hmm. What does it even mean, though, to conquer the world? Does it mean that we have power over the world to dominate it, to control it, to colonize it or exploit it? No. Another word for conquering is to overcome. So instead of, what if we thought of this idea of conquering the world as not dominating the world, but overcoming the ways the world has taught us to think and behave? Maybe this means overcoming our worldly desire to behold power over others and the earth and instead share power with each other. In this pandemic moment that we are in right now, it is being revealed to us just how little power we have individually or even nationally over the coronavirus. Instead, we are dependent upon each other for our collective health. And right now, we have a choice. We can choose to withhold the power and access to intellectual property for the vaccines so that they can be developed, or we can waive those intellectual property pr protections so that the vaccine can be produced and distributed more widely, especially amongst poorer countries in the global south. In her book, Holding Faith, Athia Cynthia Rigby says this, what sense can be made of this moment? as a moment of discipleship? What are we being called upon to do and to be right now, today? For it is right now, today, that the Messiah asks us to join him in doing power differently, in hoping against hope, and in holding nothing back for the sake of those whom God so loves. Will we join what God is up to, or will we just get in the way? We know that God is in the business of healing. So we must ask ourselves this question. Will we stand in the way of this healing? Or will we do power differently? Cooperating with God and sharing power with others as opposed to holding that power over others and holding back life-saving vaccines to the poorer parts of our world. I think the answer is clear. And I think it is also supported by Jesus in our gospel when he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. He then goes on to say, I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Dear people, Jesus is sharing power with us here. No longer are we in this master-servant relationship where Jesus has power over us, but he has shared his power with us as friends. This is how Jesus loves us, by sharing his own power with us so that we can then go and love others as Jesus has loved us by sharing our own power with each other. This sharing of power is a demonstration of love that gives us the ability to act together as one 
and to conquer the world wherever worldly power has distorted our relationships through racism, queer phobia, classism, or any other phobia or ism. My friends, it has been such an honor to share power with you in this place as we have worked to overcome these phobias and isms within ourselves, within this church, and even within the wider world. So now let us continue sharing our power far and wide, obeying God's commandment to love one another as Christ has loved us. And together, we can bear fruit, fruit that will last. A different world is possible, possible when we do power differently. Amen.